here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.6 FM in Mangaung. Unisa Press and Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, TEA, have collaborated and put resources together in conducting the Lockdown Economic Impact Survey. And a common concern and a goal was to understand how COVID-19 pandemic and subsequently the national lockdown affected the township economy in particular, the formal and informal sectors in, in the spaces. So to, to, to unpack all of that and what actually came out of that study is Bulelani Abala, who's a founder of Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, on the line with us this morning. Bulelani, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Um, good afternoon, Tamela. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it very much. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. Let's just talk a little bit about what were you looking to find. You, you broke down a specific specific things that you were going to look into. Just just give us a breakdown when you were looking at, at, at what how, how the sector was affected by COVID-19. Um, so I think initially when we undertook this particular survey and study, it was to sort of unpack um, the activity or rather the lack of within this space. Mm-hmm. And I think we have uh, seen over a number of years entrepreneurs con- uh, complaining about government support or the lack thereof. Mm. Um, at some point when the Department of Small Business initially then decided to roll out the relief, there was a lot of controversy and a lot of confusion in and around it. Mm. So I think for us, um, the township economy has always been the spoken about economy, but there is no real data on that particular economy. But over and above that, um, it's always just been left at lift service. So I think for us, one of the main things was to then, um, one of our main objectives was to start documenting um, the data mm-hmm. from the township economy, which is why when you look at the report, there's almost a pre and post mm-hmm. or rather during lockdown overview. Mm-hmm. And I think on the third part was to create a report that would not just give an overview in terms of what's going on in the in this particular segment, but to also give policymakers and corporates and government institutions that deal with SMMEs or small businesses within this um, particular segment an understanding in terms of what's happening in real time so that they're able to develop solutions to aid SMMEs as accurately as possible within this time. Is there a political will to do that? You yourself just said earlier that there is a lot of lip service. There is a lot of talk around the township economy, very little in in way of actually doing something or even at least even documenting what exactly is going on there. Do you think there is there is some sort of I don't know. I'll, I'll ask them. You know, I'll ask the same way. Um, political, <laughs> sir, political will to do that. I mean, there hasn't been there. There hasn't been much. Um, or even anything at all. I think this was a. I think this was an undertaking on our side, mm, mm, um, mm. as an independent organisation mm. who is very passionate about this space to say, you know, it's important because consistently we sit. I mean, consistently I find myself sitting in boardrooms and being asked these type of mm, questions, mm-hmm. right? And uh, these organisations, some of them international organisations mm. that are supposed to provide aid, mm. are not being fed the accurate or correct information. So I think for us, it was, I think for us, this was then also to open up to the eyes of the consumer, yeah. right? To then say, your five rand and your ten, ten rand is not insignificant as you might have thought. It's actually very powerful, and directing it, um, and directing it to into the hands of the right sort of enterprises then helps 
in uh, participation of the township economy because, I mean, billions transact each and every pay cycle, right? Um, mm-hmm. Billions and billions transact all over the country, but I've always said that it transact above the heads of those who play in that space yeah. because a large portions of those um, monies go to um, large financial institutions, mm-hmm. uh, retailers, and the sorts. And the only way we can really bridge participation is by directing funds into the right place. Mm-hmm. And I think, which is why for us, that even though there is no political will, um, it's to then yep. almost then solicit the will of the people. Because it. those mm-hmm. are the people who then decide on who governs and not and where their monies go. But if we win over the hearts of those individuals, then we can start really directing the economy in the right way. And I think it also then goes back to the conversation in and around um, people saying politics is not for me, you know, um, mm-hmm. commerce and the, the economy, economic conversations are not for me, you know. They are for us because, I mean, when you start to look at the impact of the lockdown on um, on anyone's livelihood, right, it's impacted, if it has not impacted you, it's impacted someone who's very close to you. So it means that we need to now start having these economic conversations and how we can then form um, yeah. growth and uh, development. And come up with solutions. I mean, I just want to look at some of the numbers that you're reporting on here. And you are saying that... Um, uh, an average of some of these enterprises, right, changed yeah. dramatically. 77% of the enterprises uh, with an average income of around five to 10,000 rand per month yeah. before lockdown. And after the lockdown, they reported that their average income had dropped below 5,000 rand per month. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you so, so you sort of look at that data. And then you sort of look at the back of, um, I think, one of the data pieces we, we, we had on there that said, uh, were you able to operate during the, are you, were you able to operate during the lockdown mm-hmm. or rather during the hard lockdown, which is level four, five, four, and three? And I mean, about 60, 68% of them have said, 60, 67% of them, they've said they were not able to operate. That impact, right? Meaning that five, six months, they have had to retrench or let go of the employees. They've had to move move out of offices, move back home and downscale their operations. I mean, about 75% of them have said that they've reduced sales, so they've lost sales. And, I mean, that's very startling because the socioeconomic impact of that is that if they were, and I mean, if you then also then analyze the the, the SMME profile that we're looking at, Mm. these are guys that are employing anything between anyone, rather between two to about five um, employees. So the ripple effect of someone not being able to get their salary and being retrenched because of the impact of this um, is, is quite catastrophic. But I think for us, one of the things that we also then would like to highlight is that COVID has presented itself a big opportunity and that opportunity is also what uh, the Minister of Finance had reiterated in the budget speech which was to say that small business is the backbone of um, this country's economy and they need to be supported and I think the biggest thing that needs to happen now it needs to then move from being lip service to actual practicality because instead of bundling up big, um, big procurement orders and giving them to pre um, um to giving them to historically um great companies that have been fortunate and privileged in this space then those should have been bundled up into small packages and given to SMEs to roll out across the country with a larger organization playing an oversight role and 
we would have loved in this particular respect an instance for the Department of Small Business um, Development mm. to play an even larger role mm. in the facilitation mm. of these projects across mm. the various departments, whether it was the Department of Economic Development or Health or so on and so forth. You make such an important point because I'm looking at some of the things that you've broken down with regards to maybe the business needs, right? And you speak about the Department of, of Small Business. And I remember it being the very first to say we've run out of money. And I, and I couldn't help but think, you know, isn't this a lost opportunity? Because in as much as money was an issue, right, funding was an issue, there were other needs that these businesses actually had. And I wondered whether was it just at the beginning and the end? Was money the beginning? Of, and the end of the problems, wasn't there any other way we could have supported these small businesses in the townships? I mean, money is not the start and the end all. However, needless to say, we cannot negate the fact that sure. it's, 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 it's a necessity. But I think what we have picked up with that, it's a necessity for growth, mm. right? Mm. But in this particular space, which is why we've always said, I mean, look at one particular segment, right? Enterprise supply development. Billions and billions go into that particular segment, go into that space where government through the triple BE um, has regulated and said, I mean, if you want to maintain good standing and dealing with government, then you need to then give away a percentage of your profits towards the development mm. of um, historically disadvantaged entrepreneurs, in this case, 100% black-owned entities. But those funds are not getting to the entrepreneurs mm. and is regurgitated training that mm. the simple and mere regulation of that space would put the Department of Small Business in a much better light and have much greater rapport with entrepreneurs. I mean, you look at, there's a particular segment on the data where we ask where the entrepreneurs are asked, have you benefited from um, the UIF scheme, but most importantly from the Department of Small Business scheme? I mean, only 2% have no. come back to say that yeah. they benefited from it, right? Mm. And I mean, if we utilize that two um, percent as an as an overview data of what is actually happening in this in the space it's a very sad um, it's a very sad space because um, over and above the funds yeah I'm so sorry to interject because on that very point of whether people have benefited when you look at and this is specifically contrary to what people believe when you look at compliance actually surprisingly these are compliant businesses they're registered with SARS you know there are a lot of things that they've actually done right yes yes and you know another thing as well that I want us to also think about and, and to the listeners as well is to say if you are designing, for instance, a relief program, mm-hmm. um, you need to then take the entrepreneur in mind. And the entrepreneur in mind who plays in this particular segment is operating on a 14-day or 30-day cycle, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, they are in debt, and yeah. that is a fact, yeah. a factual conversation, right? Yeah. Number three, I mean, in order for you to maintain your compliance, um, which is your CUADA, mm. CIPC, annual return, so on and so forth, paying SARS, um, that's anywhere between five to about 10,000 rand if you're not making any money at all, right? Just purely maintaining regular, um, maintaining um, 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 proper compliance. Yeah. So just being registered or being formalized is expensive as it is. So oh, the yes. relief should have come as just that a relief to then say, this is your, this is your kick forward. This is your step forward. And with this, we are then hoping that in the next couple of months, you will then start to get your business um, in line.
Yeah, but we also know, right, that there are also other issues as well with people who've said they're running businesses and they're struggling. These are not necessarily just uh, small businesses in the township, that they're struggling with yeah. some of the compliance issues, for instance, with UIF and, yeah. and so on with regards to registering people. So there are a lot of issues there, which, to your point, um, should be taken into account when you look at relief and, and how relief should come first. And then, you know, we look at the fact that we also have not delivered on our part. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I look at some of the issues that we are seeing here and I wondered whether at the end of it all, um, some of the issues that I'm seeing here are, are very structural. And, yeah. and one, one wonders, you know, as, as structural as some of these issues are, particularly in the sector that you're looking at, the township economy, um, how do we begin to kind of unbungle this, this whole mess that we are seeing here in the township? I think for us, I think for one, right, um, so, we, so there's a whole list of recommendations that we have put up there, but I think um, one of them is, you know, creating proper channels for dissemination of information for support. Um, and I think this has been a challenge all for, for a number of years, but it becomes a critical thing because there was a view during the lockdown to then say that people within the township and other communities were ignorant mm. of mm. the severity of the lockdown. Mm. But when you went down and you started speaking to the residents, you then start to find that they were ignorant. Uh, they didn't, sorry, not ignorant, but they didn't know what this COVID was. Right, because the information for the fact that it was trending on Twitter, there's a perception that there is a, that 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 mm. that in itself is a reflection the world, of right? South Africa, yes. yeah, yeah. and Twitter is not the world, mm. and Facebook is not the world. So getting it to um, the entrepreneurs becomes critical. And I think the second point that we also then want to drive across is to then say there is procurement happening, whether it was procurement of sanitizers, of masks, of other of other services, whether it was digital services. Since they're talking about the new normal, these then should have been democratized and also then set apart or set aside for small business across the country, whether township or not. And cooperatives. I, I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think for us, the conversation has always been um, we're looking for, I think, it's a, I think it's a similar fight that uh, people who are looking for employment are fighting to then say, we're looking for jobs, but you're looking for work experience. So similar, similar to small business as well. So um, they're looking for jobs and you're looking for, they're looking for jobs and contracts. But contrary to popular belief, the people on the other end are looking for experienced business. Now, how do they then gain experience in the new normal when they have no one has experienced the new normal? So within, so what it then says is that um, the, the new opportunities that will come from the rise of the fourth industrial revolution and the impact of the lockdown and COVID-19 will still be, um, will still be um, um, monopolized by uh, companies that have uh, the leverage and opportunity to access the resource and the support. So I think then democratizing the access to the support and the learning and offering the trial and error or to small businesses then puts them in a position where they're able to participate and potentially even compete on a global scale. And I think it goes without saying that deregulating this space and starting to regulate the enterprise supply development space will free up a lot of the billions or millions that the Department of Small Business has been given, you know, because there's a lot of other billions that are within that space that could be utilized for the development of small businesses. We've got a voice note, Abulilani, um, that's coming through. Let's just maybe take a listen. 
very good afternoon, Pimelo. Uh, Piri here in Alex. I mean, this is very, very uh, complex, uh, as it were, because uh, you know many of these SMMEs are very informal, informal, in a sense that they do not uh, necessarily keep a proper proper records. Um, I've had a guy um, here in Alex who is. Uh, just doing uh, a carpentry and small minute things in the township and uh, he would just charge 500 rands there 700 rands here and then he would uh, have uh, some spending as in to buy the material that he uses but uh, he doesn't have the proper accounting uh, sort of knowledge to be able to keep uh, records as to how much he, he charges and how much he made so that uh, is is very difficult for him to be able to access any funding um as it were so it's it's very difficult indeed but uh, yeah we soldier on thank you all right so Wulalani balabala is a founder of township entrepreneurs alliance and they've conducted the study and just looking at the impact COVID has had um and obviously subsequently the lockdown on the township economy you know Wulalani, there are two things that that stand out for me here with this particular um, voice note that came through yeah first the one that talks about how informal some of the 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 the, the traders are right that, that there is a skill but the, it's so informal in the sense that it's not uh, the data is not captured. Well, number one, this is why you did you did the study, right? To see yeah. how informal it really yeah. is. Yeah. But here's a question for you that I I find intriguing. Most of the people, in fact, in South Africa, by and large, now are now banking using banking systems now you you may want to differentiate between what you call a formal banking system or not but the point here is that there's a lot of money transacting in banks through banking systems whether even if it's an e-wallet it's still a system that goes through banking it still beats me how banks are not able to assist someone like that guy because as he buys and sells and 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 so and trades he, he, I don't see why to this day we still need him to do the bookkeeping if a bank can assist him with that. Yeah, you know. From his bank know, account, for instance, you know, you're, you're right. able to itemize and sort of yeah. help him and say, look, man, we think this is what your, your business is doing. This is what we kind of think has happened to your business. Yeah, and you're not. I mean, you're 100% correct. I think to the gentleman's voice note, and I think to your question, and your statement now. I mean, there are two things for me. The one is, yeah, I mean, I understand the carpenter and him not, or whether he's willing or reluctant to register his business formally, because just by mere fact that he's going to the CRTC to register his business, he incurs costs for the lifetime of the business, whether he makes money or not, right? And for the fact that it's going to register with the UIF, it's an additional cost. With Quader, it's an additional cost. And I think there's a big conversation that has happened in and around formalizing business. And what we have always said is there should not just be a drive to formalize business, but there should be a drive to understand Mm -hmm. why they have not of themselves gone out to formalize, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And number two, the biggest incentive or the biggest motivation for anyone who's gone into business, number one, is to make money at the end of the day. So if you then if you then can then assure me that there will be market access opportunities at the at the advent of me registering, then I then then I'll be then I'll be able to be motivated enough to go and formalize my business and to get an accountant that I'll pay 
a minimum of a thousand rand a month to then start managing. It's an additional cost, cost, right? But, you know, to what you're raising now, I think that is the missing gap and the missing point in and around the banking system. And I remember one gentleman who used to work with Bob Maponya years ago, and I think he was telling me about something phenomenal that they used to do, right? So instead of just working around the system being what it is, so bring in your payslip, bring in your documents, and if you don't have these things, then we can't help you. And purely from the fact that they understood the market that they were playing in opening um, the first dealership in the township, Mm -hmm. so they would then say, bring your ledger, Bring your funds. We will then, as the dealer principal, as the dealer, we will then compile a report for you and engage with your bank so that we can make funds available for you in the growth of your business. So that then becomes the first critical step from the financial institutions. You know, because, I mean, you look at the over 100 billion um, that was set apart, that was made available, right, that the banks were supposed to disseminate to um, township and uh, previously excluded enterprises. You know, quite a large amount of that sum has, still has not been touched purely because of compliance and the sorts. And I think that the point or rather the drive to assist needs to go beyond what do you have and this is what we are looking for. But well, this is what we are looking for. Where are you and how do we help you get there? All right, we'll continue this conversation. I see you, KGM. I just got, uh, got to go to the headlines now because it is 1.30. I'll come back with uh, more on this conversation and I'll also take some of your voice notes coming through. It's one thirty. Let me go to Nandi Kabukas for the latest. Here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM 107 FM in start. I'm in conversation with Gulelani Balabala, who's a founder of Township Entrepreneurs Alliance. And we're looking at a survey that they conducted, looking at how the township economy has been affected by the COVID-19 lockdowns. I said, I'll take your calls. 011-714-2006. You can also send those voice notes on 614 KGM, thanks for your patience. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pamelo. Good afternoon to your guest and to my fellow listeners. Good afternoon. Pimelo, uh, l- let me start by giving a challenge to Bulelani. Mm-hmm. Bulelani, my brother, uh, ca- can this be extended? Can you expand this to the rural communities? And I'll tell you why. I, I operate in that space. I have been for quite a very long time as a philanthropic entrepreneur. Uh, the, the structure of our, our economy, does not talk to the, the structure and the dynamics of our socioeconomic uh, conditions. Mm-hmm. And, and the, 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 the big uh, repercussion of that is what we are experiencing today. Uh, whether we are in the formal or informal trade, whether we are on the, on the formal or informal employment, we are experiencing the same thing. The, the economic structure we, are, we have inherited and we seem to be comfortable with, it's that of the highest level of capitalism, where the wealthier maintains, do everything they can to maintain their wealth, and they do that at the expense of the have-nots. So when we, we come up with interventions like this, it's not that they are not aware that we are going to try to, to have interventions of this nature they block them 
That's why there are blockages. It doesn't matter the type of intervention we are trying to come up with. There's always what we, we've come, we have accustomed ourselves to call it red tape. Whether it's in government or private sector, it's one and the same thing. And, and my parting short, Pimelo, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's so painful that you'll, guy, you'll get guys like your guest and many other people who are going out of their way to come up with interventions. Mm-hmm. And you know who's blocking those interventions? It is our government. It's in the. Oh, it's yep. actually in the report. It's actually in the report that they've put together. That that's part of the problem here. That government is not sufficiently responding to the to the issues. And, and you know, you know, uh, I haven't even read the report. Mm-hmm. I'm talking this based on on experience. I mean, on, on another day. This is a topic for another day. Ask me what happened to the project uh, that I I I have been busy with. That government has been blocking. Seven and a half trillion worth of a new city in the country, where government is supposed to be rallying behind a development of that nature, but gets who's blocking it? Government. So we 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 really fighting a losing battle, but we need to restructure uh, and and do things that we've not been doing, so that we can force government and those who are who are at the, at the behest to really listen and take note of what we are bringing as solutions. Thanks Remember? very much for that, Kiki. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. So, so Bulalani, what I'm afraid of, and, and I'm going to take other calls now, is that you're probably going to hear what you're hearing from KGM quite a lot. We hear this yeah. a lot. Yeah. And and I worry because when I look at your recommendations, again, you know, you, you, you really emphasize the point that there should be more efforts to try and reach out to the sector uh, from government's point of view to try and make themselves accessible and so on. That support must come through. You know, the lived experience is that people are not getting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, you know, that's that's very true. You know, I think much to what the caller has said. I mean, uh, so you look at the gentleman, um, the previous statistician general, mm. you know, I think at one of the conferences, he said something, you know, said, you know, with all the ministers here, they get the stats that we send them. Yeah. They get the reports that we send them. Yeah. And it's, 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 you look at the, they, they made a, a needs analysis, mm. right, in terms of what people need, shelter, mm. um, access to jobs, so yeah. on and so forth. But yet, when politicians go out and they campaign, they give out T-shirts and food parcels. <laughs> He, he's he's made that point so many times to say, you, you know, know, the numbers don't lie. They're right in front of us. They should be the guiding uh, compass. And we never use them to, to we never use the stats to guide our strategies and, 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 and obviously our way of, of, of going forward. Vijay is calling us from Pochestrum. Hi, Vijay. Is it Pochestrum? Hi, hi, Vijay. Hi. It's Pochestrum in KZN on the KZN coast. Apologies for that, Vijay. Welcome. Thank you for the wonderful topic. Thank you. uh, I must really applaud your guest. Uh, I think I actually heard him speak a couple of years ago at an SBI conference. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm I'm so pleased that he's he's kept to the task and he's still promoting uh, township enterprises. I I think the township and rural economies are an absolute uh, sleeping giant in this country. Mm. Just uh, the authorities that be, just apply a little bit of um, uh, lateral thinking. Um, I'm quite heavily involved in terms of uh, uh, building bridges between established and small uh, businesses in the in the two business organizations that I've led in the last few years. And for me, I think, uh, Pamela, one of the, the, the biggest opportunities is from uh, municipal services. You know the municipalities 
provide services in the townships and often mm-hmm. they have got depots and they are bringing stuff in from yes. 15, 20, 25 k's away. Yeah. And I have pushed consistently for <laughs> the municipalities to look at outsourcing some of those services to the businesses in the municipalities. You're talking about verge cutting, you're talking about, lit- you're talking yep. about refuse removal. Yep. Uh, you know, and I have not been able to get through to the municipalities because, you know, either it's vested interest or they mm-hmm. just don't want to think outside of the box. <laughs> so I think that's a huge wasted opportunity that each and every municipality should look at. The other thing is obviously general procurement for your township spend. Mm-hmm. If you're buying uh, goods, if you're buying toilet paper, if you're buying chemicals yeah. from uh, for, for use in a particular township, yeah. it, with a little bit of effort, they can actually buy from local businesses. Absolutely. And I just find, Pamela, that the fault lies with uh, almost always with the SEM department and municipalities. They don't want to go that extra effort. Yeah. And I think the, um, the councillors and the politicians need to make sure that the, S- the SEM managers do actually take the opportunities that are there yeah. for township businesses to actually benefit from procurement at their, at their local level. So forget about all the the national stuff and mm-hmm. the fancy mm-hmm. high-level stuff, just at the local, local level. Yep. If the municipalities just make that much effort, mm-hmm. a little more effort, there'd be such a huge difference to uh, to township businesses. Thank you, uh, Pamela. Thank, Thank you. you for allowing me to contribute. Thank you, Vijay. A very important point there. Lisiba, you're calling from Mabupani. Hi, Lisiba. Hi, good day. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm saying, you know, like this research, mm. um... It means you, you just take a little bit and the top. <laughs> Tip of the know? iceberg, yeah. Yes. Because the, our problems started in 1983 when the UDF was formed. That's when township economy was destroyed, when groceries and stuff were taken from shops because locomotive is and the shops were supposed to close, and anybody who says whatever in contrary gets a tire. So those people are in government because those people were sponsored by people who did not want what you call township economy, but that means did not want black people in control of their own reality. So the UDF brought about somebody else's reality that we need to preside on. That is why we're talking about municipalities, procurement, and whatever. These are mirages. You won't reach them. You can do whatever you want because they are somebody else's reality. Now, this gentleman, if you really, really want to have a solution to the township or to the black problem or native problem, Forget about COVID. It's got nothing to do with the problem. Face the people. Face this UDF. Face the ANC because they have brought in somebody else's reality which will never relate to us. Thank you very much. As I said, you know, Bulalani, you're going to get a lot of this kind of sentiment coming through. Yeah. And and, and one wonders, um, having heard what, what you're hearing, some of the recommendations, what I do like, though, about the survey, even though this is not new information, is that yeah. it, it is, it's, it's properly done. So you are able to use this user data and then make sure that you bolster your arguments wherever it is that you go. Where are you going to be taking this? 
<laughs> I think for us, um, we've we've gone to great lengths in sharing it with all governments, um, as many government agencies, um, large corporate enterprise applied development institutions. And I think um, I like what uh, the gentleman said, uh, Lisiba. I mean, this, this, and I think what you also touched on, I mean, it's not necessarily new information, but I think for us, it's, it's just, you know, starting to formally document the actual issues on the ground. Because, I mean, you go on now on Google and you search township economy, you know, you find very minute info. But I think the, the, I think the biggest driver for us is I still, I still go back to the fact that it's the consumer. It's the people with the voting power and the people with the one rand and the ten rand, right? Whether it's in the township and rural communities, now starting to become very decisive in terms of where we spend our hard-earned monies, right? Is it with our own products and our own black-owned created brand or South, proudly South African brands, or is it um, with brands and organizations that don't serve us, that don't serve the needs at the end of the day. And I think quite some in the next couple of weeks and months we'll be voting. Are we going to be voting for oppression or for economic regress or are we going to be voting for the future that we want? And I think for us at the end of the day, because we've got the power and the strength and there's also a big driver also at the back of it, which is the fear of the future, right, and changing. But I think it's a much needed change because if we have not grown as much as we needed to in the past 24 years, then a change is much needed. Yeah, we we also need to hold some other allies, you know, to account. And I spoke yeah. about the banks earlier as well, and so on. Um, because I think to some, to a large extent as well, you spoke a little bit about a an example you gave us of 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 a, a township run dealership that had to find ways to make it possible for customers to get access to those vehicles. It cannot be one dealership that does that. When mm. are the banks going mm. to come to the party? These are their customers. They're earning from these customers. Have I lost you, Bulalani? Oh, sorry. I thought I lost you, actually. <laughs> I think we I, I, think I didn't we want to be the awkward one. He's going, hello, hello, on air. <laughs> we had lost each other for a second there. But, but what I was saying is that I, I'm asking myself, at what point are we going to ask um, you know, business to also come to the fore, banks. You, you know, you know, quite interestingly enough, I mean, I think two big banks have already have reached out to us yeah. in in an effort, I guess, to understand, you know, the report more and how they could play their part mm-hmm. in assisting. And I think what we could only do at this particular point is to really hope that mm-hmm. yet again, it doesn't just become lip service, yeah. you know. And I think quite interestingly, last week I got a call from an institution from in England wanting to do work in the country. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, the, the, the posture that we have is um, engagement fatigue, similar yeah. to people that would have yeah. webinar fatigue, because yeah. every time it's a new institution, we need to outlay the same problems yeah. and the solutions go the other way. Yes. And I think that really needs to then change. But we are, But I think for me, over and above, Everything we've spoken about, this needs to change, that needs to change, mm-hmm. this needs to change. It lies with Abulelani or Retandi or Rezandi mm-hmm. or Jan Hendrik or wherever, wherever they are in their hometown. It lies with us because we've got the voting power and we are the economic power that spends our monies. And I think one of the drivers, one of the big campaign drivers that we had is don't spend money on any brand or any corporate that mm. doesn't um, stand for or support the South well, African yeah. or the or the small business or the entrepreneur, you know. <laughs> 
you know, having said all of that, um, I wanted to just maybe go back quickly and just give us a sense of how urgent all of this is, because we, we've been here, as you said, you know, we keep talking and there's that fatigue. Um, just how many of these businesses stand a chance of survival? How long do they think they can hang in there for? Yeah, um, you know, you know, it's interestingly enough, right? I mean, I think about 38, 30, sorry, about 37 percent um, had indicated that they might lose their businesses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we believe that. I mean, we're busy going to be con- we're going to be conducting the next part of the survey, the study, right, towards the later part of the year. But we believe that that number has increased drastically. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest drivers as well was when, sorry, when permits were being introduced. Mm. Township business was still not recognized. Yes. And that's the biggest frustration that the posture from these entities, whether it was police at the time mm. um, or any other agencies mm. that were supposed to enforce, didn't recognize mm. um, the township's puzzle shop having mm. a permit and having them um, allowed to operate. And that then became a big frustration that it's not just a systematic frustration, but it's also a mental disposition that we have that that someone of color would view another person of color as not being eligible to access a benefit. And I think that's the biggest challenge that we also then need to then, um, that we then need to then address, you know, over and above the government and the corporate. It also then starts with us, how I view them. It starts with that mentality that was inculcated when I was growing up in the township of Tembisa that said, anything that is in Tembisa or Mamelodi or Soshanguva or Kailicha is inferior, it's not good enough. So when I hear someone saying that they come from there, let me block them as much as I possibly can because they're going to infiltrate our space with mediocrity. And black is not mediocre. South African is not mediocre. Township is not mediocre. And rural is not mediocre. And I think if anyone takes anything away from this conversation is to then say, it starts with you and start to appreciate and honor and respect you. And I think the moment we start to value and appreciate and honor us, we then start to appreciate local brands that are on the come up and directing our funds and money and resources to the growth and sustainability of those brands. You've given us a lot to chew on. I remember a gentleman calling here in tears who who is um, who who ran a little workshop in the township and who was saying, you know, nobody yeah. allows him to do anything and that's all he can do and that's his livelihood. And yet there were workshops in the suburbs that were operating because, to your point, they had permits, but nobody was willing to allow him to fix anybody's car. He wasn't yeah. given a permit, and yet the yeah. service was exactly the same. Yeah. A lot for us to chew on. Bulilani, thank you so much for your time. Camilo, really thank you, it. thank you, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks thank to TFM. Thank you. Bulilani Balabala is a founder of Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, and they've come up with a study that really gives us proper data as to what has happened in the township during the lockdown. It's not a pretty sight.